I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Kentucky-Louisville Governor's Cup week as Kentucky and Louisville will renew their football rivalry on Saturday after we missed out last year. COVID canceled the game in 2020. It's Kentucky against Louisville on Saturday night, a 7.30 start on ESPN2 at Cardinal Stadium there in Louisville. And to talk about Kentucky's win over New Mexico State yesterday in the on Senior Day, uh, 56-16 over the Aggies, and to talk about the upcoming game on Saturday against Louisville, and to talk a little Kentucky basketball, my guest is my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. Before I get to Mark, I want to remind you, you can get a Sports Pass, sports only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. It's $30 for the first year. Uh, you can go to my Twitter feed, follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Go to the top of the feed. You'll see a pinned tweet, which tells you all about the Sports Pass, sports only digital subscription. Click on that. It'll take you where you need to go or go to Kentucky.com. Hit on the subscription tab. Check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So without any further ado, let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader about Kentucky football, and then we'll also talk a little Kentucky basketball. Okay, my guest on the podcast now is my colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, On this Sunday, Kentucky knocked off uh, New Mexico State pretty easily yesterday, 56-16 on senior day, setting up uh, this Saturday the Governor's Cup at Louisville. Uh, we'll talk briefly here about the senior day. Uh, what in particular sticks out in your mind about Kentucky's 56-16 win? Well, I thought it was good that there were so many seniors that had good games. You know, Justin Rigg caught two touchdown passes. Josh Ali had a big game. You know, I think he also had two touchdowns. You know, Josh Pascal played well. You know, Quandre Mosley had a pick six. There were just a lot of seniors that, that performed well, and you always like to see that. In their last time playing in their home venue, uh, to me the disturbing thing about it was I thought the Kentucky, you know, it, it, it sounds crazy when a team put up 56 points and had over 700 yards total offense, but gosh, they're just so sloppy. I mean, they gave New Mexico State a touchdown by just missing – a shotgun snap. They fumbled again at the goal line. They threw another interception and easily could have had three or four interceptions. There were balls thrown into double coverage that I think against a better team are picked. And um, it just, you know, it's, it's kind of a miracle given their turnover margin that, you know, they've won eight games. I mean, in theory, you shouldn't be able to play like they've played in terms of giving the ball up and not really taking it away very much and win as much as they have. 
Yeah, I haven't checked the stats today, but I know going into yesterday, they were still 129 out of 130 teams in uh, turnover margin. Uh, we, when we talked to Liam Cohen yesterday about Chris Rodriguez fumbling, he fumbled again yesterday down on the two-yard line. It's been a problem with him pretty much off and on all season. Liam basically said, you know, we, we talked to him, but it kind of is what it is. Is there anything you can do at this point? I don't think so. And, you know, I obviously from the, the time he, I guess it was in the Missouri game when he first had the, this problem, I'm sure everybody guns for the ball when right. he's carrying it. Um, you know, it's, it seems to sort of come and go. I mean, there are a lot of games where, you know, it, it, he, he seems fine, but he, it, it seems to rear its head again. And, you know, he's had a really good year. He's 12th in the country in rushing, but I think a lot of what people are going to remember about the year for good or bad are the fumbles. Right. No, I know. Yeah, and, and he has had a really good year. He was over 100 yards again yesterday. Uh, that gives him uh, 13 in his career, seven this season, 100-yard rushing games, uh, you know, and but as he's been plagued uh, by those fumbles. Uh, what about defensively? How did you think the defense played yesterday? I thought the defense played pretty well except for the second quarter. I thought they did not play very well in the second quarter. You know, Brad White talked after the game about kind of lulls and, you know, the that's been a problem. You know, the defense fascinates me because for the first half of the year, the defense was clearly carrying the team. And you know, in the second half of the year, especially against, you know, good passing attacks, the defense has really struggled. Now, you know, they've lost some, you know, they've, they had some personnel losses in their front seven. You know, I think one facet of the Stoops era is Kentucky has better depth, but they did not clearly have enough depth to overcome losing three of their starting front seven and not feel it. And I think that has shown up. You know, they have one of those guys, Marquand McCall back. I would guess based on nothing that Jordan Wright will give it a go at Louisville. So maybe you'll have two of those three back. You know, if, if Marquand can, you know, play like he did early, that he can make a big difference. And, you know, Jordan Wright has a knack for being around the ball and making big plays. So if he can play and is you know close to right, you know those guys, that that should help. Yeah, which leads us into uh, this Saturday against Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky going to Louisville to play the Cardinals down at Cardinal Stadium. It's a seven thirty p.m. start on ESPN two, and you can't talk about Louisville without talking about their offense and without uh, their quarterback. Uh, uh, Malik Cunningham, who had just who's had a great season, had a career night against Duke last Thursday in that 62-22 win. He was only the second Power 5 quarterback to throw for over 300 yards and run for over 200 yards in the same game. Uh, what about this Kentucky defense matched up against Cunningham? You know, it's interesting. that, that Malik Cunningham's line against Duke, I think, may be the best line I've ever seen. 18-25 passing. 303 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 11 carries, 224 yards, an average of 20.4 yards a carry, two touchdowns. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Now, I watched some of that game. It was so uncompetitive, I wound up watching basketball. But um, Duke's defense was really bad. Right, yeah, I, I, mean, watched they the, were, I watched it too. They were, <laughs> they, were, they were matador defense. They were just waving at Cunningham most of the night. Yeah, they were atrocious in their pass defense. I mean, I don't say this lightly. I could have completed passes against them. <laughs> yeah, David Cutcliffe might agree with you going by, <laughs> by what he said after the game. But that said, I think Louisville is good offensively. You know, and even in a lot of the games they've lost, they've been over thirty points. I think Scott Satterfield is a good offensive coach. I've always liked Malik Cunningham going back to the 
his freshman year in 2018 when he had the long touchdown run against Kentucky. I've always thought, you know, he had a lot of promise. Last year, the turnover bug sort of got him a little bit, but he's had that under control this year and has had a tremendous year. And, you know, it's he's the kind of dual threat quarterback that Kentucky historically has struggled against. Now, Mark Stoops would want me to point out that everybody pretty much struggles against quarterbacks who can both run and throw. But, yeah, it's going to be a big challenge, uh, slowing them down. Yeah, and they've got some other players, too. Mitchell's a pretty good running back, and they've got some speedy receivers to go with Marshawn Ford, their tight end. So he's got some weapons, and as you mentioned, they've scored uh, 30 points in the majority, or more in the majority of their games, the games that they lost. And we talked about this on the podcast last week. They could easily have three more wins. They lost by three to Wake Forest at Wake Forest. They lost by one at home to Virginia, and they lost by six to Clemson at home, but they had the ball on the two-yard line at the end of the game and couldn't put it in the end zone against Clemson. So, you know, and as Brad White said yesterday, it's going to be a week where he's not going to get a whole lot of sleep. And uh, he mentioned yesterday about, you know, they kind of, they knew they've known about Cunningham and face Cunningham going back to 2018. As he said, you know, we knew what an athletic quarterback he was back then. The big advantage Kentucky has had against Louisville in the last two games has been the line play. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's lines on both sides have just dominated the games. Now, you know, they, these teams haven't played since the last game of the 2019 regular season. So, you know, are Kentucky's lines as good now as they were at the end of the 2019 season? You know, how much has Louisville developed in terms of its interior line play on both sides? I mean, to me, that in a lot of ways is the story of the game. Right. Okay, let's flip the script. Louisville's defense, uh, Kentucky, uh, Josh Ali said yesterday, uh, I think, you know, our defense is different than the Duke defense. And then he quickly, (laughs) we laughed and he quickly said, well, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, put down the Duke defense. But yeah, I think Kentucky is 27th nationally in total defense. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but at Louisville, I think it's 77, something like that. They have played better, it seems like, the last couple of games. Syracuse only got three points on them. Duke, they had 22. Neither one of those offenses are anything to write home about. But uh, Kentucky's offense, as you mentioned, over 700 yards yesterday, most since Tim Couch back against Louisville back in 1998 when they put up over 800 on uh, John L. Smith in the first game there at then Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Uh, What about the matchup of the Louisville defense against the Kentucky offense? Well, Kentucky has been able to just run it down their throat in the last two games. You know, Louisville, their rush defense is 49th in the country. They're not great, but they're not horrible. So, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, the thing, if it turns into a shootout, which obviously, you know, that is seems at least possible, the problem for Kentucky is they just can't play clean. If you get into those shootout kind of games, you've got to, you know, maximize your possessions. And, right. you know, you go back to the Tennessee game when the Kentucky offense, you know, played you know, really well, you know, you give up a pick six and, and that wound up being the difference in the game. And, you know, you, you, I just, you know, I keep part of me that thinks Kentucky is due you know, kind of a clean game in an important game, but you just, this team has just been so, I don't know if sloppy is the right word, but they've just right. been so loose with the ball all year. You, you wonder if they can, you know, get through a game without, you know, 
having some kind of miscue right. and you know if it's close or you know you're you wind up in a shootout with malik cunningham you know those possessions are going to be uh, be pretty valuable well, we've talked a lot about cunningham what about will levis kentucky's quarterback threw for over 400 yards yesterday first time since 2008 andre woodson a kentucky quarterback has thrown for over 400 yards of course they've been so run oriented especially the past few years uh, they haven't thrown many passes what about his development through the season? Do you feel like he's a better quarterback now than he was, you know, going back to the ULM game and the Missouri games at the first of the year? I do. I think he's gotten. I think he's gotten somewhat better in terms of touch and, and accuracy. But I do think, you know, because he throws the ball so hard, you know, I think if he's off just a little bit, it, it tends to lead to you know kind of tip interceptions. And I think sometimes because he has such a strong arm, he tries to throw into windows that you know probably would be better off avoided because you know as I said earlier you know they had one interception and they had another interception overturned on replay and there was one possession in the the first half where New Mexico State was about half a second from two pick sixes on the same possession and, and guys just barely missed them and you know I think with Levis because he gives you some big play capability you can absorb a little bit I think you just have to accept because he throws it so hard that, you know, there's occasionally going to be some picks, but, you know, I think it would obviously, you know, I, I think needing, I think he needs to tighten up some of that stuff going forward, but in the big picture, I do think he's improved and he's probably played better overall, frankly, than I expected. The one thing about this game with him, you know, uh, Liam Cohen has talked about it a couple of times during the year uh, is that they, you know, they feel like, I think they, or they think they feel like that he got, a little rushed. He got a little overexcited. They want him just to slow down. Uh, you know, go through your progressions. Be be calmer in the pocket. In a game like this, I think that's going to be important for him. You know, you get jacked up. It'll be a rivalry game. The game is at Louisville. Uh, Kentucky's beaten them handily the last two years. I think Louisville feels like they've got some momentum from the way they played the last couple of weeks. So I think the crowd will be into the game. I think that's going to be a key for Levis is to just to make sure that you're, you know, calm and doing what you're supposed to do. And obviously everybody likes his intensity and the way he runs the ball and he lowers his shoulder, you know, and he's a competitor. But you've also got to be calm and make the right decisions in the pocket. I think that's going to be big for him in this game. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I looked it up. The MVP in this game, the Howard Schnellenberger MVP winner of the last five years, has been been the winning quarterback. Really? So you know, it's a the, the the recent trend is who who whichever quarterback you know plays well, that that's the team that tends to to win the game. And, and that that streak started in 2015 when Lamar Jackson came off the bench as a freshman to rally Louisville from a big deficit to a win here in Lexington. And then it continued the next year when, you know, Steven Johnson outplayed Lamar in his Heisman Trophy year and Kentucky pulled off the biggest upset in the modern history of the Governor's Cup. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think you make a good point. I think Levis is a guy that seems to be kind of a type A personality and you know, having uh, just, you know, being calm and, you know, not not rushing things, I think is a big key in this game. Yeah. Well, it should be a fun game. I, I, I think it's going to be a shootout-type game, and that's nothing against the defenses. I just think both offenses are playing well right now. They should have confidence after the way they played the last couple of weeks, uh, the way Louisville's played, and then Kentucky coming off this game. So, uh, you know, and by saying that, and I kind of wrote that for Monday's paper, I'm sure it'll be a 10-7 game or 14-10 game or something like that. 
<laughs> but that would I, be surprising <laughs> if, if it turned out to be a 14 to 10 game. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, anything else about the game before we talk a little basketball? No, I think we've covered it. Okay. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about the Kentucky basketball and their week and what they've got coming up next right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, Mark, Kentucky basketball, they got a couple of wins last week. Got a little more of a test against Ohio on uh, Friday night, they play. They've got two of those tune-up games. Just now, John Calipari is calling them this week with uh, Albany on Monday night, a team that has not won a game, and North Florida on Friday. North Florida got their first win. They beat, uh, I don't know if it was a Division Two team or whatever, uh, over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, how, how did you think Kentucky played this week uh, in their wins over Mount St. Mary's and Ohio? I thought the Ohio win was a good win. Uh, a, I think Ohio's pretty good. You know, they had the nucleus of the team back that beat Virginia in the NCAA tournament last year and opened this season beating Belmont. And Belmont has five starters back from a really good team. So, you know, I think Ohio is pretty good. And then just the way the game unfolded where Oscar Shibway, who's been Kentucky's best player, picks up two fouls in the first minute six and sits the whole first half. And Kellen Grady, who was Kentucky's, I think, third or third leading scorer, doesn't score. And even Severe Wheeler, who's been probably Kentucky's second best player, you know, was okay, but wasn't what he had been in the previous games. And you had, you know, that level of adversity and other guys stepped up. You got a big game out of Ty Ty Washington, a big game out of Keon Brooks. And, you know, I thought Davion Mintz came in and played really well. And I just thought, you know, to have some adversity against a pretty good team early in the year and to answer that, I thought that was a good moment for you, Ken. They also got a nice first half lift out of Bryce Hopkins, who yeah, they we did. heard early on was maybe the best player in practice. Was really playing pretty well. Has gotten off to kind of a slow start, but he was a big key in that first half with Oscar on the bench. Yeah, he really was in seven points and seven rebounds, and 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 sort of you know Ohio had the early advantage, and he sort of was one of the key guys that helped turn that. So, talking about that first half, Oscar got two fouls in like the first 65 seconds of the game, set out the rest of the first half. Uh, You know, Kentucky was able to hold their head above water the rest of the half, but does it worry you any that that's kind of what they look like if they don't have Oscar in there? Yeah, I think it's a concern just because without Oscar, you know, I thought one of the problems last year was they just had a bunch of tall, skinny guys. And if Oscar's not on the floor, that is sort of still the case. But I did, you know, being a glass half full kind of guy, John, I sort of took the positive of that, (laughs) that, you know, they were without their best player and, and other guys stepped up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a glass half empty, half empty kind of guy. No, they did have other guys step up. No, I thought that you do worry. And, you know, he up through the first, I think you pointed this out through the first uh, couple of games. He has, he stayed out of foul trouble. He's been able to get 56 rebounds in the first three games without getting into foul trouble, which is pretty amazing in itself. Yeah. Everything about his rebounding has been pretty amazing. The fact that he, you know, didn't have any rebounds in the first half and barely, you know, played a minute and six seconds. 
and then wound up getting double digit rebounds in that game was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Um, yeah, as you meant, I agree. I thought Davion Mintz was a big factor the other night coming in off the bench, and Cal's got guys where if somebody's not playing all that well, or if another guy's playing better, he's shown he'll leave them in the game. Uh, so, yeah, I think that helps. I think it would help to get Jacob Toppin back, and Cal kind of talked the other night like he feels like that he's going to be back back pretty soon. Same with Lance Ware, you know, which which should help. I don't ex- foresee them having much of a problem uh, with the two opponents this week. No, I, the, the, these are uh, developmental games at best, I would say. Yeah, against that against the against that type uh, type of opponent. Uh, Kentucky got some big news on Saturday morning when Reed Shepard announced. Uh, I don't think it was a surprise, but Reed Shepard, uh, the uh, five star prospect and recruit from North Laurel, son of Jeff Shepard and Stacy Reed, announced that he is coming to Kentucky. What do you think these next two years are going to be like for Reed? I mean, he's gotten this out of the way. He's still got a couple of years left of high school basketball. What's what's it going to be like around the state if Reed Shepard comes to your town to play? Well, I think everybody will come out to see him, but I think that it had been the case already. So in in some ways, I don't know that it's that different in that regard. And by having the decision made, I think that does take a little bit of pressure off him. And, you know, he's already because of who he was and, you know, basically UK basketball royalty on both sides of from both sides of his family, he was getting that level of scrutiny. You know, John, I was in the Herald Leader offices back when the Herald Leader had an office, and um, it was a summer night in 1992, and the phone on Jerry Tipton's desk rang, and it was my job back then to answer uh, unanswered phones, so I picked it up, and uh, it was a young man named Jeff Shepard who was calling to uh, inform us that he was committing to play basketball at the University of Kentucky, so... I interviewed him and wrote a story, and when Reed Shepard made that announcement Saturday morning, I thought, man, I've done this a long, long, long time. <laughs> made you feel old? It should have made you feel nostalgic. Great, you know, coming full circle, father and son. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, from Peachtree City. But that just shows what it was. It was a whole different world back then. There was some, There was some, you know, about particular players – uh, when they announced their commitment, there was, I can remember Ralph Sampson in particular and other players as well when they announced their college choice. But now it seems like it's like everybody, uh, or not, or maybe not everybody, but every good prospect. But uh, it's pretty amazing when you look back on it now that Jeff Shepard had to call the Herald Leader to tell him he committed. Yeah, it was, that was a very different world than the one we're in now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I assume UK had given him certain a number of numbers once he had informed them he was going to commit. You need to call, call call this outlet, this outlet, and this outlet, and let them know. And said he called uh, Jerry's desk number, and and Jerry not had no reason to have been in the office on Saturday night. And <laughs> it was my job to answer the phone, so I answered it. And there we go. But and we touched on this. I think it was a very smart move on Reed's part to go if he's sure this is what he wants to do go ahead and say it the pressure's off people won't be following him around ask him what are you going to do that part of it'll be over with now he can just settle on playing basketball yeah and see if he can get north laurel past knox central and get make it to the sweet 16 (laughs) that's the next test that's right that's the next test so uh, well, it should be an interesting week. Uh, it's always an interesting week, always a fun week when Kentucky plays Louisville in football. We didn't get it last year because of COVID. I'm glad it's back. Uh, 
kind of wish it was an afternoon game instead of a night game, but that's purely for selfish purposes. Under the light on Saturday nights uh, should be an electric atmosphere in Louisville, I would think, especially this game not being played last year and both teams uh, on a little bit of a winning streak coming into this one. And, you know, the stakes are pretty high. I mean, Kentucky's trying to – back to football, Kentucky's trying to win – have a nine-win regular season, still have a chance, which would give them a chance to have a 10-win season, which uh, they did in 2018, would be the second one they've had in the last four years, and only the second one since 1977. Louisville, I'm sure, wants to get back at Kentucky for those losses, but it's a chance for them to finish the regular season 7-5 and five going into their bowl game. So there, there's a lot, of st- lot at stake other than bragging rights on Satterday. Yeah, and, you know, I think Scott Satterfield – I think his fan base has been pretty restive. And I think, you know, last year, whatever the nature of his flirtation was with South Carolina and its coaching vacancy, I think alienated a lot of Louisville fans. And the one sure way he could win them back is to win the game Saturday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We'll have plenty of coverage through the week of both Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. Be sure to follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out everything, uh, all his columns and his uh, predictions and his matchups on uh, Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. As always, thanks for being on the podcast, Mark. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to Mark Story, as always, for being on the pod. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can email me, jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and our radio podcast. Leave a rating and review. We really appreciate that. That just helps get the word out about the podcast that we've been doing. Uh, we'll have a podcast later in the week uh, previewing the Kentucky-Louisville game uh, with Josh Moore, who covers UK football for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, also, We'll have plenty of coverage, as I mentioned, leading up to the game. And during the game, check out my updates, which are on my sidelines blog. You'll also find a history of the UK UofL series on there as well. Check out my columns on Kentucky.com, as well as in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, Hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving and gets ready for the game on Saturday. We appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and appreciate Mark's story, my guest. And we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.